I think most companies sort of have it. They have a notion of, you know, hey, these these are sort of where we do well. This is may, maybe where we want to go next. But there's a tremendous value in having data behind that. Welcome to the Blind Spots Podcast. This show is designed to help marketers and researchers understand just how to address blind spots in key go to market areas through primary research efforts. This podcast is brought to you by Double Check Research, an established leader in win loss and churn research and analysis with a mission to help clients improve their win rates by turning buyer insights into competitive advantage. My name's Ryan Sorley. I'm a founder, a researcher, a soon-to-be author, a husband to one and a dad to three, and your grateful and humble podcast host. Each show, I will engage with marketing, sales, product, and competitive intelligence experts in the B2B technology space in meaningful and thought-provoking conversations with actionable strategies on how to help product marketers and those with a love for research drive value across their organizations. Have you ever had to create a TAM model? It's a little bit easier said than done, and I know from personal experience, to really nail your total addressable market, you need access to great data, know-how, and people who have done it before successfully. On this episode of Blind Spots, we welcome Ryan Detwiller, founder of ScalePath, a company that pairs powerful software and massive data sets to help organizations better understand their market opportunities. Prior to launching ScalePath, Ryan was a product marketing manager at Data, where we at DoubleCheck had the honor of supporting his win-loss program efforts. Listen as Ryan unpacks best practices associated with building a best-in-class, total addressable market on this episode of Blind Spots. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about ScalePath. So Ryan and I go back a little bit, right? We worked together while you were at Datto, uh, leading the win-loss program and other things. And then you've gone off to start your own venture. So let's hear about that, Ryan. Tell us about ScalePath. So ScalePath is a essentially a software company that takes the market context of any B2B business and taps into these massive public data sets so that companies can understand what their market opportunity is and what their best avenues for growth might be and really just drill into their total market opportunity. So what are some of the sources of data that you tap into today? ScalePath taps into these really large public data sets. So pretty much every government in the world does a really good job about counting businesses and providing a whole bunch of information on what those businesses look like. The hard part for a lot of companies has been really applying those data sets to their context. So ScalePath is essentially a bridge in between these companies and sources like the US Census Bureau and the Bureau of Labor Statistics and all these public agencies around the world that we can tap into. That's uh, super interesting to, to kind of understand all this information about your market based on, on kind of aggregation of data. Tell, tell me a little bit about uh, why ScalePath. And, you know, we worked together while you were at, at Datto, but tell us a little bit about your journey and what led you to this moment in time. 
When we started working together, I was working with the CMO of a company that had acquired us. I was part of a, an early stage startup that eventually grew and was acquired. And I was tasked to build out this sort of market intelligence function. So we really became much more rigorous about the, the type of research we did on the market and our customers. So we did win-loss with you. We built out a competitive intelligence function. We got deep into buyer personas and journeys uh, with Adele. I know she's been on the podcast as well. And one of the other areas we wanted to look at was what is the market opportunity for this company? Uh, the company had grown through or, or organic growth and also, also through acquisitions. And so they had customers all over the world and a number of different markets and a number of different products. And I was asked to figure out what does this look like? Like, what is our opportunity? How much of this have we already captured? And where do we go from here? So when I first started, it was it was pretty messy. It was trying to find you know any data that we could. We didn't really have a framework to pull this together, and so it was just you know pulling these pieces is in, and we we started partnering with some good uh, consultants to help us pull together some of this data, put it into framework that works. And I think what was interesting about it is that once we once we had a model to really help us understand what that opportunity looks like globally and then by country, by product, by company size, even down to the state level, it really unlocked a lot of insights for us as a company that could be used you know, for investors and for the executive team, but also uh, for product marketing, down to the sales team level, down to the demand gen level of you know, where should we plan our event. So I saw the power of market sizing done well and once I started my own company, sort of thinking of you know, market intelligence in general, but market sizing projects came up again and again as an area where uh, companies needed uh, help understanding what that opportunity looks like. And so did a number of consulting projects uh, over the past 12 or 18 months, worked with a number of companies to help them raise capital, uh, help them understand their overall market opportunity, help prioritize different you know, verticals to go into or different geos to go into, uh, and started seeing some patterns that I could use to build now the software application. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, from a high level, the use cases that you described and, you know, coming from this, a sales background, I can see territory planning being a huge opportunity here uh, at a global level. I know that's always a struggle for organizations and they're trying to figure out how to collect information, whether it's through LinkedIn or other, other places to be able to get a sense of, of what's, um, what's out there from a market perspective, but it would seem that as part of a pitch deck, you really have to have a strong understanding of what your TAM looks like so that you can get the best valuation for your company at that point and get, get the highest premium from an investor. So how do organizations do that today? And using your platform, which I know is in beta now, which is exciting. How, how would that work? Do they have to just enter some data in and then spits it out magically for them quickly overnight? What does that look like? In speaking with people that evaluate some of the applications, like at Y Combinator, for example, the market size question is often one that entrepreneurs get wrong. They'll often come in with sort of this, this tops-down model and say, hey, this is a $50 billion market. And we think we can get 1% of that, you know, so we have this, you know, great model, but, and that may be true, but it's really not helpful because it's not based on any sort of strategy. So the proper way to do it is to take a bottoms up approach, which is just getting clear about who your customers are. And then you can 
count those customers, right? Who has the problem that your business is solving? How many of those customers are willing to buy a product like yours? And how much are they willing to pay to solve that problem? And so once you can start getting really specific about who those customers are, which verticals they're in, which sort of company sizes they're in, which technologies they're using today, you can build a model to understand what that total opportunity looks like. And for investors, it's really important to, to show sort of your work to say, you know, this is where we're at today. This is where we're going next. And this is sort of the relative size of each of those markets as we grow. And here's our path to become a really large company. That's like the general framework of, you know, how to do market sizing. So like, I put this framework out there for free on my website. Anyone just go download it and you can start, you know, plugging in the numbers and you'll have a pretty good estimate of what that market opportunity looks like. The, the challenge that a lot of companies have had before is that they have to go out and figure out how do you get counts of these businesses? How do you figure out which technologies people are using and how much they're willing to pay for your product? And then how do you pull it into a framework that is not only useful, but shareable so you can tell the story in, in a slide. What we're trying to do with ScalePath is sort of bring all that together where you, know, you put in some information about your business, like which markets do you serve, uh, which types of customers are a really good fit for you. And then we tap into the data, pull those two pieces together, and it gives you a really clear understanding about what that total opportunity is. If you want to share that with investors or executives, but then drilling down into you know, how does that look on, you know, by geo or, or by these different verticals that we might be evaluating or even by, by product line and, and how the types of revenue can shape what our opportunity looks like overall. That sounds like an amazingly powerful tool for so many different people wanting to understand what their opportunity is. So blind spots, this show is for product marketers, also for competitive intelligence folks. So when you're providing the data back to them, are they actually getting the data at an account level? So obviously you're, you're sizing the market, you're showing them what the opportunity might be in Germany versus Sweden versus you know uh, the Southern United States states. Are they actually getting the, the list of companies as part of that process? So because we work on mostly from like statistical databases from like US Census Bureau or Stats Canada or any number of these national agencies, we don't drill into the individual account levels because they don't share that type of information. But once you get really clear and specific about who is in your target market, it's much easier to then go to any sort of list provider and get a list of companies that fit that. So you can go after these, these targeted companies. How product marketers can sort of evaluate TAM and evaluate which segments to go after, one of the ways they can do that is, is you know, get a view of their market overall, look at these different segments and understand who is sort of most likely to buy, who is has a higher willingness to pay, what are the sizes of some of these segments? And then if you have a horizontal application where you sell to a whole bunch of different market verticals, you can start really understanding what are the two or three that we want to really focus on in terms of our use cases, in terms of the events that we want to go to, the communities that we want to be a part of, because we think there's a really good growth opportunity here, rather than trying to have messaging you know, that is sort of for everyone and, and spreading your dollars too thin. By having a really good view of your TAM, you can start identifying and targeting the most attractive segments for you. That makes a whole lot of sense. And it's such a simple concept. And 
I, I think it's a huge opportunity for so many different people within different types of organizations. I'm thinking of our own organization, Double Check, and trying to figure out um, which market to go after next or how to further exploit the market that we're, we're in, which is the B2B technology space. So it's, it, I could see it being hugely powerful. With that said, I could see an integration with some of those list providers that you had mentioned. And would you consider those to be Zoom Infos of the world, LinkedIn? What are, what are the list providers that you're referring to? Zoom Info, and there's a, you know, a lot of similar companies to Zoom Info where you can get really specific on the actual contacts within accounts that sort of fit the, the target segment that you're going after. It would seem that like, like, like that would be a natural, like, you know, here's my market segmentation, my TAM, and then, oh, I can click on this tab and see all the companies. Are you working on that? Absolutely. And, and it's one of the deliverables on the project that I'm doing right now where it's, okay, let's do the market sizing work. And then let's basically translate this into action by giving a list of contacts to sales to say, these are your, your top accounts. Yeah. So it's not a moment in time type project, but it's an ongoing program uh, where they can track their TAM over time. That's really interesting. There's different levels of your market size, right? So there's your total addressable market or your total available market. TAM is sort of the, you know, the acronym that everyone knows. For TAM, it's really understanding what your global opportunity looks like. And this is an important number for investors because it's saying, hey, if we hit a home run and we can go beyond, you know, the types of customers being currently in service today, maybe we're in, you know, 50 countries around the world. Like, what does that look like? Is this a really big number that we can get excited about? But it's not really useful for people that are doing the work on the ground because you can't service the majority of these customers today. If you go one level down from that into your SAM or your serviceable available market, this is really the group of customers that if they came to you organically, you could sell them the product that you have today. Not everyone's going to be the right fit in this market. And you have to sort of tread carefully because you can, you can waste a lot of time going after these, some of these customers if they're not a good fit. But that's sort of that next level down. So there's TAM, SAM, and then SOM, your serviceable, obtainable market is sort of your target market. If you were putting you know, the fields into a Google AdWords campaign, who are you going after? Who is that ideal customer that your sales reps get excited about? One step down from there is understanding your, your market share. How many customers are in your market today? And so there's sort of these four concentric circles getting more and more specific. If you flip it around, right? It's customers you service today, customers in your target market, customers you could service, but maybe aren't a great fit. And then broader, the TAM level is sort of all customers around the world that have the type of problem that you your solution can solve. Love that. I can tell you've thought through that. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent the last, you know, three years figuring out what the definitions are for those, those few things. But what's interesting is you can go from, you know, the high level view, you know, strategic. If you build a really good TAM model, you can then drill down and get more and more specific. And to me, there's huge value in seeing what is the overall opportunity and then hearing from, you know, sales leaders that say, this is great. I want to build my territories around this because this is really good data. And we can make sure that all of our reps have a pretty similar market opportunity that they can go after or hand it over to a demand gen team to say, hey, this is your market penetration in these states, uh, which is pretty high. Maybe you're really low over here. So if you're planning a roadshow or some events, like consider going into these states because we think there's a lot of opportunity there. So translating it from that high level strategic view to very specific, you know, go after these opportunities because we think there's something there. And then on the 
data input side of things, as you look down the road and you've talked about some of the places you grab data today to, to feed into your model, what's your vision for how that might evolve from a data lake perspective into the future? Are there other sources of data that you'd love to get your hands on that you don't today? So as you said, ScalePath is just going into beta right now. And we're starting with uh, data from the US market only. And so you build your model and you basically have a really, really good understanding of the US. The next step for us is loading in all these other different sets of data from around the world. So Canada's nets on the docket, we'll do Europe. Eventually we want global coverage so that you can build your model based on what your primary market is. And then we can do some work in software to let you know, this is what it looks like, you know, not only maybe in the US where you're strong, but also in the UK or the Netherlands or Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Um, you start identifying some of those opportunities. You have a really good comparison of what those markets look like compared to your core market. So census data is one source, but are there other like sources that we wouldn't have normally thought of that are relatively unique? So the U.S. Census data is great. There's a ton of information there, but it can be a little bit difficult to work with and to apply to your context. But the U.S. government, I think governments globally put out a ton of information. So if you're a startup or a company that's selling to education, there's a ton of data on you know, schools, K through 12, higher ed. Um, if you're selling to the restaurant industry, like the industry associations have a ton of information on that as well. Um, your U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out a ton of information on employment data. So I think that's one of the things that I didn't really recognize when I first started doing TAM is that there are all these uh, large agencies or industry associations that put out really good data that you can manipulate and you can apply to your context much better than you might get from like a static PDF report that someone, someone's already sort of done that work to pull together these data sources and put it into a PDF, which is great, might make for easy reading, but it's much more difficult to sort of apply to your context and use it to build a model to understand your market in depth. And I'm sure that you'll stumble upon all these new data sources as you continue to scale scale path and that model will become that much richer over time as well. So that's exciting. Now, do you have any specific, I know that you've been doing some service work up to this point as you've been developing the platform play or the product play of scale path. Do you have any really cool success stories of how you were able to help an organization with TAM and they were able to either raise a lot of money or build a, a, a stronger go-to-market strategy. Yeah, I can, I can share two, I think that are, are pretty interesting. So one of my first clients, they are sort of in the, the MarTech space and they need to understand what their market opportunity was. So work with them to understand, you know, who their customers are, uh, what each of those customers is sort of willing to spend with them. And we put together a, a, a report they put that in front of investors and they were able to raise $30 million. I mean, phenomenal team and great product and everything else, but it was nice to have, you know, their confidence at what they were putting forward in terms of their market opportunity and what that TAM looks like um, sort of you know, met the needs of their investors and they got a good round of funding. Another customer that I'm working with, um, they were very focused on a particular vertical and 
in order to tell their growth story, they wanted to say, you know, this is our, this is our vertical today. This is our core market today, but we're building all these other uh, pieces. Like what is our growth story going forward? So we're able to look at what their market vertical was today, how big that was, what are some adjacent verticals that might make sense for them to go into and then do some comparisons to say, how similar are these other verticals for you? So not just looking at size and chasing the biggest TAM, like that can work, but also means there's, you know, different dynamics in terms of competition. And it, it may mean that you don't have really the capabilities to, to really enter those verticals. So I think it's important to look at not just TAM, how big is this market, but what's the fit for us and how can we actually move into that market? Are we going to find success there? So we were able to look at their market holistically and build out a bit of a growth plan for them over the next three to five years. So they can say, these are the markets that we want to go into next and, and build from there. Awesome. And have some real strong data to, to back that up. I'm sure that they went into the process with you with a general idea of maybe some potential directions, but with your data, we're able to, to solidify that, which is fantastic. And hey, who wouldn't want to raise $30 million, right? Um, and it's amazing go, how yeah. impactful uh, that this type of data is during those, those investor meetings to show that you really understand your business and you're not just winging it, so to, so to speak. But uh, that's fantastic. You know, having an idea of what those next opportunities might look like for you. I think most companies sort of have it. They have a notion of, you know, hey, these, these are sort of where we do well. This is may, maybe where we want to go next. But there's a tremendous value in having data behind that to, to actually say, this is where we're going and why. And you can put something up on your deck to tell investors. And more importantly, often is your team to say, this is the direction we're going. And here's the data that we have to support it. And not only is here where we're going directionally, but here's where we can go again from a marketing level or from a sales level to actually translate that into action because it is so based on real good data. What what are the cautionary tales? You know, if you were to give advice to people who are going down this path, what should they avoid doing? Where have you seen people fall on their face when trying to build a TAM model? I feel like I made so many mistakes doing TAM uh, when I was getting started in this. So hopefully people can learn from from my pain. I think there's a there's a few that I keep coming back to. One is going after the wrong data set. So you really want to make sure you get good primary data, you know, from an organization that is able to give a comprehensive data set that they haven't already done some filtering on it to sort of make it apply to them. Two is having a framework that you can apply and you can repeat. Uh, when I initially started doing TAM, it was like, okay, let's look at TAM, you know, for this market or this product over here, and then doing it a completely different way for this product. And so it was really difficult to compare those two and make any decisions on that. So having a consistent framework that you use to build out these models is really important as well. A couple of things to stay away from when you're doing TAM, these, these tools have their place, but if you're looking at a static PDF report where someone's already done all the analysis, very rarely are those directly applicable to your specific business, right? I think companies win by getting super specific. And so building out something like this for yourself without relying on someone who's put into a PDF already is going to be a much better way to go. The other side is, is looking at a particular lead database and using that to build TAM. They have their place, absolutely. But in terms of getting a, a holistic view of the market, 
there's already a lot of filtering that goes into those databases and a lot of duplication as well. So it's difficult to get a really clear count on how many customers might fit your TAM. Last question for you. Uh, when you think about the end of your career and you're kind of drifting off to retirement and you're thinking back on all of the great things that you did along the way, what, what is it, the one thing that you want to be remembered for? That's a really hard question. I think there's there's sort of two levels to that. On a personal level, I hope that people feel like they did their best work when they were working with me, um, that it was fun and enjoyable, but also dynamic and, and they did things that they didn't think was possible. The other side of it is that I love helping organizations make better decisions and, and have decisions that they have data to back up and have decisions that people can sort of rally around and have a clear direction forward. So when you can get rid of some of the mystery around the market, which there always is so much of that, and you can get really clear, really specific, and companies can, can move forward with confidence. And that was Ryan Detwiller, founder of ScalePath. If you have an interest in building a best-in-class TAM model, go over to scalepath.io where you will find tons of great information on how to build a TAM, a SAM, and any other kind of AM you might want. If you have a specific TAM project that you need help on, you can email Ryan directly at ryan at scalepath.io. And if you like this show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. And as always, thanks for listening.